Hi, my name is Robert McMahon. I'm the Connection Director here at Covenant Church, and I'm thrilled that you're listening. If you're checking us out for the first time, welcome. We're so glad that you're here, and I'd like to take this chance to invite you to let us know that you're tuning in today. We'd love nothing more than to help you start building meaningful relationships and to join you on the journey of faith. Just go to bgcovenant.org connect and let us know how we can be in touch. With that said, let's dive in and listen together to this week's message. Good morning, church. I'm Craig Dixon. I think I know a good chunk of you anyway. I'm an elder here, has the pleasure of serving this church for the past number of years, and uh, I just love Covenant. I love our motto, our slogan, our mission is to know Jesus and make Him known. Um, As an elder, one thing that we do is try to be active, certainly in serving the church, but also serving outside the church, and I'm going to make a uh, plug this morning for Keep Watch, which is a prayer ministry that I'm involved in. We've talked about it. Uh, This Tuesday, we're doing a prayer walk uh, at schools that do not have coverage for prayer. Uh, around this city, and um, so if any of you have an unction to pray, we're going to be at the Montessori School at 9 a.m. on Tuesday to pray uh, outside the schools of some of these places in the in uh, in Bowling Green, because we care about the kids and we care about the Lord's word going forth in in those schools. <clears throat> Today, I'm going to continue our series in the, in Psalms, summer in Psalms. Uh, I had a chance; I was actually out of town last weekend. But I listened to Terrence and his uh, talk last week. And something that really struck me, which I want to kind of highlight again this morning, is when he talked about us being outposts from Eden. Do you guys remember that from some of you from last week? When he said that, it just kind of hit me that, of course, when God created Adam and Eve and put him in the garden and he had fellowship with them, unrestrained, underbridged, just total fellowship with them that wasn't tainted by sin, it wasn't tainted by anything other than just their relationship with the Lord. It was a direct connection to God, their father. And of course, that was broken through sin, and uh, they were cast out of Eden. And then Jesus, when he came on the earth, uh, a number of years later, uh, he basically brought, in some sense, Eden back to us. We can have unfettered relationship with God our Father without being in a temple, without having to go to tabernacle. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We house that bit of God in us, which uh, if I were God, I wouldn't do it that way, but he did, and he put God in me, and he, he put himself in me, he put himself in you. When Jesus left this earth, he was telling his disciples, hey, don't be too upset about me leaving, because I leave you my spirit. I leave you the comforter, and greater works will you do than I did, which, again, I am amazed that God would say that to us. So we have a deposit of Christ in us. We have a deposit of God in us. We have the ability every day to commune with God, just like Adam and Eve did in the cool of the garden. We can commune with God so what I want to talk about today is um, Psalm 121, I lift my eyes to the mountains, where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. Um, it's easy these days with everything that's going on around us to have uh, somewhat of a siege mentality where we're outnumbered, we're outgunned, uh, what do I do? I mean, there's, there's uh, the financial pressures, there's anxiety, there's Christian persecution, there's addiction, there's CRT, there's uh, abortion, there's gender dysphoria, there's LBTTQ, there's uh, killing babies that's happening uh, around this country. Even with a Roe v. Wade being overturned, there still are babies that we, we love and are concerned about. But lots of stuff going on, lots of things to take our attention away, and lots of things to be concerned about. I want you to throw the next slide up, Dwayne. It's kind of a cute, can't see it very well, but it's 
We can be like those guys in that parapet. And the thing down at the bottom says, oh, stop it. You know perfectly well that before every battle, the enemy shouts things at us that we may find offensive. Have you heard some things on TV lately that you might find offensive? Have you heard some things being said by some politicians and leaders that might offend the God in you? Absolutely. So we're surrounded by a lot of stuff that is not of God. Uh, and we can have that siege mentality, kind of go into our little cubby holes, go into our homes, build a barrier up, get that, get that uh, food pack that lasts 15 years in your basement and be prepared for whatever might come. Or we can be victorious. We can make Jesus known in this season. So how do we do that? Well, I would suggest we do that by our focus. If you look at the screen there, there's a picture of a flower. And on the left is stuff in the background. And this is often how we see the world. We see, what we're, you know, we see things in front of us, but we can also get focused on the stuff that's around the things that really matter. And this is called depth of, of uh, vision. So we can see depth of field. So depth of field on the left is very wide. It's very, you can see everything around you. And if you know cameras, you can adjust that f-stop and only look at the one thing that's in the foreground and everything else blurs out. And I would suggest this morning that we need to be a little bit like having our f-stop adjusted to where we see God. We see God's hand. We see God's victory. We see what the Word of God says about us. We see what the Word of God says about the world around us. As Kyle mentioned, I think probably a month ago, here in the pulpit, about that we need to see life through the filter of the Bible. We need to see the culture through the filter of the Bible, not the other way around. We don't see culture and go, well, this must be right because this feels good. This is, this is the way people are. And then I need to interpret the Bible based on what I know is true by what goes on around me. Instead, flip it. That we know what's true by what the Bible says. And then we look at the culture around us and go, how do I judge the culture based upon what the Word of God says? Uh, that's, that's not something that's it's antithetical to what a lot of people are thinking these days. And so today we're going to focus on Psalm 121 and not having a seized mentality and having our focus on the things that matter. Focus on Him. So we're going to do a little bit of reading here. Psalm 121 says, I lift my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Now we could easily say, my help comes from my 401k. My help comes from a good solid job. My help comes from a, uh, a mortgage-free home. My, house, my, my help comes from good health. My help comes from kids that are healthy. My help comes from lots of stuff that might make me feel good, but my help comes from the Lord who made the heaven and the earth, as it, as it said certainly in, in Genesis, we talked about the earlier about Eden in us. I'm going to read some scriptures to encourage us in this. These are words you know, but I want to have us wash these words in our thinking this morning. 2 Kings 6, verses 15 to 17, the story we've all seen and heard. Uh, God opens up Elisha's servant's eyes to see the heavenly host for battle. It says in 2 Kings 6, 15, Then the servant of the man of God got up and went out early in the morning, an army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Back to that picture. There could easily be a siege mentality. And he said, Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than who are with them. The servant's focus was on the enemy. All he could see was that host of horses and chariots and armed for battle. He could not see what God was doing this hour. 
So Elisha asked the Lord to open up his eyes, and he looked and saw the hills full of horses and chariots and fire all around Elisha. The battle, as Greg sang this morning, the worship team sang, the battle belongs to who? The Lord. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots. I will trust in the Lord. And it's easy to trust in the battle armaments. God tells us to be armed uh, as we should in, in the spirit. But it's he that really is the one to victorious. He doesn't just leave it up to us. We have a part to play. And that part certainly is to trust in him during that, uh, during that season we feel like we're outnumbered, outgunned. 1 Samuel 17, 40, verse 45 and 49, it's about David approaching Goliath, where he could have easily said, this is beyond me. But David said to that Philistine, Goliath, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you with the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you've defiled. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. The very day I will give carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals, and the whole world will know, will know there's a God in Israel. The battle belongs to him. All those that gather here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord says, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands. To have his focus on something that doesn't make sense. He didn't see that thousands and thousands and and thousands of of, uh, an army against him or this nine foot plus tall giant that was spewing venom at them. He saw God deliver Israel. And he had the power of God in him to do so. And it wasn't because David was so, he had skills, absolutely. He picked up a stone, had a sling. He had skills. God used his skills, but he multiplied. God is a great multiplier. He's a great force multiplier. When enemies got you out, gun out, man, God can multiply your, your abilities. Psalm 123, another one of my favorite psalms says this. In Psalm, I'm going to read Psalm 23, verses 1, and also verses 4. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then it goes on to say, even though I walk through the shadow of valley of death, I will fear no evil, for, the, for you're with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Your rod, your staff, they comfort me. Not my skills, not my ability, although he may use those. It's his staff, it's his rod that comforts me. In the valley of death, which I know we've all felt we've been there at times of our lives when things get disappointing really hard, we're outnumbered, outgunned, and we could have, again, that siege mentality. Again, it's back to focus. Where's your focus? What are you looking at? What are you thinking? What do you, what do you, what do you, uh, what's your mind go to? And when it goes to areas of fear, anxiety, redirect yourself to what's God say about this situation? What would God have me do in this situation? Would he have me cower? Would he have me run? Would he have me, what would he have me do? Because God has a solution. It goes on in Psalm 121, verses 3 and 4. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. Now, we've all, most of us, I'm sure, have read this scripture before, Psalm 121. But I guess I'm challenging you this morning to make these words alive to you. They're not just words. Oh, those are nice thoughts. That's just, that's so cute that God doesn't sleep. Well, to take it seriously to your heart, that he watches over Israel, over you, does not 
He's not surprised. He's not asleep. He's not waiting. Um, he's there always acting. I'm going to paraphrase the book of Ruth just to remind you uh, how God uh, acts in natural situations um, supernaturally. So I'm going to kind of paraphrase the book of Ruth here real quickly if I, if you, if I might. Ruth, after her husband died, along with her two sons, was widowed by one of Naomi's sons, that was her mother-in-law, vowed to faithfully serve her mother-in-law. She had no plan for providing for both of them. She didn't have a to-do list. She was just going, she knew she had to cover her mother-in-law. An uncovered woman in those days was in danger. Bad situation for a woman to be without covering, without a husband, without a family. It's just two of them. Ruth's vow is one of resolute, courageous fidelity. Ruth's story also implies that care is dependent upon the fidelity of the God of Israel. So guess what? She faithfully served, picked uh, leftover grain in a field of a family friend to survive. Family friend's name was Boaz. Uh, He told his people to leave her alone because, again, a woman picking grain in those days was subject to being molested, being assaulted, being hurt. Um, And he said, keep hands off her. Even though she's an uncovered woman, I'll cover her. God provided covering. Wasn't her plan. She didn't go out with that in mind. She went out there to serve and eat and provide food for her and her little regardless. God provided as she was faithful to do go do. And then Boaz, through a set of miraculous circumstances, fell in love with Ruth, married her, and cared for her and her mother-in-law. And what's really cool, Ruth birthed Obed, the father of Jesse, the father of David, the father of Jesus. So Ruth's faithfulness brought her to Boaz, which brought forth a lineage to our Savior. Amazing. Out of a crappy situation, losing her husband, being alone, making commitments that she couldn't, she was writing checks she couldn't cash, she honored God regardless. She trusted the God. She had focus on what God had shown her to do, what was the right thing to do, not the easy thing to do. Matthew 4 tells another great story. Out of 38, verse 38 and 40, excuse me. I get a little weepy and I, my nose runs, sorry. There you go. Every time I get close to God, I get a little weepy, sorry. Um, I need to be weepy more often, I think. Matthew 4, verses 38 and 40 says this. Jesus was inside the boat. It's during a big storm, sleeping with his head on a pillow. I know I've even used this scripture here before in this, at this pulpit. The followers went and woke him up and said, Hey, teacher, don't you care about us? We're going to drown. Jesus stood up, gave a command to the wind and water, and said, quiet, be still. Then the wind stopped and the lake became calm. The Lord never sleeps or slumbers. It looked like Jesus was sleeping, but he was totally aware, totally in control, and he was there for those guys. And he encouraged them and showed them, hey, there's a, there's a bigger picture here. What's your focus on? You focused on the storm? You focus on the Lord. Storm's scary. The Lord is peace. Goes on to say in Psalm 121, this in verse 5 The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand, God's protection. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. Now I'm reading through a bunch of scriptures and stories here. 
really to kind of encourage you in the, the Bible, if we picked every story of encouragement like this, we'd probably be here for the next three weeks solid. But I'm just going to read a few of these. So God not only protects, whom, protects those who are the keeper of, but he also refreshes them. He doesn't just provide shade, he refreshes. He is their shade. He is always near to his people for their protection and refreshment, never at a distance. He is their keeper and shade on the right hand, so he's never far to seek. The story of Jonah is one of, another cool story in a lot of ways because I can relate to some of uh, Jonah's problems. Jonah was told to go to Nineveh to preach to the people that lived there, and Jonah didn't want to do it. These people don't deserve you. They don't deserve to, to, be, to find acceptance by God. He didn't want to do it. Of course, he ran from God. He got swallowed by a whale, and then he finally went, and guess what? Nineveh did not repent right away. And what did he do, like every man of God, continue on? No, he pouted. I'm sure none of you have ever done that. He got kind of, well, if you're going to be that way, God, I'm just going to sit here and pout. I have grandkids, and now and again, some of them can do that when they don't get their way. And we all can do that as well. And in Jonah, verses, Jonah chapter 4, verse 5, it says this, Jonah had gone out and sat at a place east of the city. doesn't say this, but I'll insert, pouted. There he made himself a shelter, sat in its shade, and waited to see what would happen to the city. The city that didn't repent, I can't wait to see God destroy it. Then the Lord provided a leafy plant and made it grow over Jonah to give shade for his head to ease his pain, to ease his suffering. So God, even though Jonah wasn't very cool then, he was very, very uh, pouty, uh, God decided to protect him. And of course, you know the rest of the story, Nineveh finally repented. Jonah didn't know the story. He didn't know what God was doing. He, all he knew was what he could see. He could see this. And God said, I want you to see this. I'm after those people in Nineveh. I want those people. I want to... I want to bless them. I want to be with them. And you're going to be the one to do it, even though you'd rather judge them. Judgment comes from God, not from us. And God protected them and him. He provided shade, realistically. The last two verses of Psalm 121 says this, The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch your coming and going, both now and how long? Forevermore. So when Mary was approached by an angel to tell her, hey, guess what? You're going to bear the child that God is going to come upon you and it's going to be the savior of the world. And of course, Mary in her natural wide vision said, how can that possibly be? I never been with a man. And, and, he's, and this is what it says in Luke 1 verses 34 and 38. Mary said, how will this be? She asked the angel. I'm still a virgin. This angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you so that the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Mary said, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And the angel left her. Now again, just like in Ruth, an uncovered woman is not a good thing. A pregnant woman, without a husband is a really bad thing. In those days, adultery or uh, having a child outside of marriage was guilt was uh, worthy of punishment, in some cases, death. And so she was in a bad spot. And Joseph, how do you explain to Joseph that I'm now pregnant from God? Uh, Her and Joseph's focus had to be upon the Lord, had to be upon his promises, had to be upon his word. 
Because their natural inclination would be to be worried about what are people going to say? What's mom and dad going to say? Are we in trouble? And of course, with Joseph, for him to have the faith to trust what his wife had said and seeing what God has handed was in their, in their lives is amazing. And again, just like in Ruth, who begat, 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 Mary obviously birthed our Savior by her faithfulness. Uh, Romans 8.35 says this, Who shall separate us from this love of Christ, this love that Mary had, shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? And we just read a bunch of scriptures about a lot of those things that can separate us from God, that can make us be in fear and run. And in verse 38 of Romans 8, it says, For I am convinced that neither death nor life nor angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that's in Christ Jesus our Lord. Church, we are outposts of Eden. We are temples of the Holy Spirit. We're temples of God. We have the Lord in us. And I know the Lord knows I don't act like that all the time. I run in fear. I have anxiety as well, just like you all do. But our focus has got to be right back on who He is and what He said about us, who we are in Him. And I will conclude with my, my uh, personal verse, personal life verse, which is Romans 12, 12. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. And the three words I want you to focus on today are hope, patience, and prayer. I know for me, those three things are a formula helps me every day when I have challenges and anxiety and fears to just trust the Lord, to have hope in something I can't see. I need to refocus my attention on what God is doing. Patience while I'm trying to get there and praying also to get there. So the only way we can have hope, patience, and prayer is by knowing God's grace and mercy as told by David in Psalm 121 and a bunch of other places in the Bible. I just focused on one. So church, I encourage you today when you read Psalm 121 again, uh, believe what it says. In fact, it's what's kind of cool about Psalms. This theme is spoken over and over again through many Psalms. I just happened to choose 121. It's one of my favorites this morning to encourage us in where's our hope come from? When we look at the mountains of problems, mountains of anxiety, mountains of fear, mountains of problems, my hope is in the Lord. My hope is, my focus is on Him. So just like this picture here, don't let, don't, don't let all the noise in the background, all the anxieties and fears direct your attention. Direct your attention to the, the beauty of the Holy Spirit, beauty of God, the Word of God itself in your life. Let me pray. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for this morning, for this time with these precious brothers and sisters to share about your hope, about your protection, about your uh, word. Uh, help us, God, to see it, to trust it. Help us to change our lives, to act according to it, Lord, and have confidence today in you and what you're doing in this hour, despite the pressures and challenges of each day. Lord, in your precious name, Lord Jesus, amen. Hi again. 
Just a reminder to let us know that you're listening by heading over to bgcovenant.org connect. If you're ready to be known, we'd love to know you. And we hope you'll join us soon for our live Sunday service at 9.30, 11 a.m. or 11 a.m. online. Thanks for listening.